Yo, 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 yo. Bible, club, non-believer. Let's go. Welcome back to the most boring part of the Bible. We've had to fight through a few books, and now the last. Book number five of the five books of Moses, Deuteronomy. As a non-believer reading the Bible for the first time, I feel it should be in my character to make as much fun about this as I can. But you know, they keep suckering me in. The Israelites have had a hard time so far. Not only they, but Moses himself have been banned from crossing the Jordan into the Promised Land. After 40 years of waiting and the death of the entire generation that was banned, a new, younger, sexier generation of the Israelites are ready to do what their fathers could not, obey God and take residence in the Promised Land. But before they leave Moses behind forever, he's got a few things to say. Now, at the same time as I've been reading the Bible, I've also been reading the Sefer Yetzirah, an ancient book of Jewish mysticism, or as I like to call it, spicy commentary. Before we continue with Deuteronomy, I'd like to take a look at some things that I've learned and how they might apply to Moses and his last message to the Israelites. Earlier this week, I read somewhere that it takes a drop of rain anywhere from two to seven minutes to hit the ground. Think about it. Usually, I see rain and I just think, oh, rain. I don't think about seven minutes of nothing but falling. In the Sefer Yetzirah, one of the things I see reiterated over and over is just how far away from God we are. It talks about this in depth. It goes in depth about depth. Or to take a page from the Bible, the heavens for height, the earth for depth, and the heart of kings has no probing. Proverbs 25.3. Or this one, counsel in man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Proverbs 20 verse 5. As I've said before, the Sefer Yetzirah describes the world as existing in five dimensions. In talking about depth, it develops this as ten directions. East, west, north, south, up and down. That's your regular X, Y, Z, which define three-dimensional space. The fourth dimension? Time. Duh. So what are the directions of time? Past and future, or beginning and end. Lastly, the fifth dimension. Raise your hand if you saw this coming. Spirit. And the two directions. Good and evil. Each of these directions is said to go to infinity. Why? Because God is infinite. A single raindrop falling forever. It would be more accurate to say God is beyond infinity. So how are we to approach God when he is so far away? Counsel in man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. The Jewish mystics believed that understanding was a feminine form of thought, contrasted to the masculine wisdom. Wisdom is infinite and wordless, while understanding defines with words and makes meaning of wisdom. That is to say, we can reach to infinity with our minds. Now, this is related to my point about Moses, so stay with me. The Jewish mystics developed a very simple mental exercise, easy enough for anyone to do. So I'm going to teach it to you. The first exercise is to try to depict the depth of beginning. In other words, 
you have to imagine the infinity of the past. Don't worry, we'll take it a step at a time. Close your eyes, unless you're driving, and think about what you were doing a minute ago, an hour ago, a day ago, a year ago, years ago, and you keep going until you reach infinity. Easy, right? Good. Now go the other direction. One minute from now, an hour, days, years, infinity. You can do this with all the other directions too. Contemplate, if you can, the totality of good, the entirety of evil, the height of the sky, the depth of the earth. Through this process, you gradually train yourself to imagine what infinity could be like. We may not be able to see God, but we can think like God. The first thing I thought of was a monk chanting to himself. If he is thinking about what's going to happen the next second, the next minute, the next hour, and it's just him going, that technically means he can see the future. And I think, to an extent, this is what Moses is doing at the beginning of Deuteronomy. The Sefer Yetzirah describes the past as masculine and the future as feminine. We can't know the future, but we do know the past. And our ideas of the past help form what we think about the future. In this way, the past spills into and impregnates the future. It's what the book says. And it's a good point. You can't know the end without knowing the beginning. At the beginning of Deuteronomy, Moses is exhaustively going over the history of the Israelites, what they were up to a few days ago, a few weeks ago, 40 years ago. You don't know the end if you don't know the beginning. Moses can't join them in the promised land. He won't be a part of their future, but he can change the future if he helps them remember the past. In this way, he mimics the divine. God is an omnipotent being who sees and knows all things. We can't be God, but we can think like God. Remember I said that before, full circle. So with that understanding in mind, joineth me as we go step by step over everything we've just read all over again. It's the Non-Believer Bible Club. Chapter 5 And Moses called all Israel and said unto them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your ears this day, that ye may learn them and keep and do them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. The Lord made not this covenant with our fathers, but with us, even us, who are all of us here alive this day as opposed to their fathers, who had to wait for forty years until they were all dead. The Lord talked with you face to face in the mount out of the midst of the fire. I stood between the Lord and you at that time, to shew you the word of the Lord, for ye were afraid by reason of the fire, and went not up into the mount. 
saying, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt have none other gods before me. Thou shalt not make thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the waters beneath the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord, thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and shewing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless, that taketh his name in vain. Keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thine ox, nor thine ass nor any of thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates, that thy manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as thou. And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand, and by a stretched out arm. Therefore the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. Honor thy father and thy mother, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee, that thy days may be prolonged, and that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill, neither shalt thou commit adultery, neither shalt thou steal, neither shalt thou bear false witness against thy neighbor, neither shalt thou desire thy neighbor's wife, Neither shalt thou covet thy neighbor's house, his field, or his manservant, or his maidservant, his ox, or his ass, or anything that is thy neighbor's. These words the Lord spake unto all your assembly in the mount out of the midst of the fire, of the cloud, and of the thick darkness, with a great voice. And he added no more. Ten and not eleven. 10 and not 9. And he wrote them in two tables of stone and delivered them unto me. And it came to pass, when ye heard the voice out of the midst of the darkness, for the mountain did burn with fire, that ye came near unto me, even all the heads of your tribes and your elders. And ye said, Behold, the Lord our God hath shewed us his glory and his greatness, and we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that God doth talk with man, and he liveth. Now therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God any more, then we shall die. For who is there of all flesh that hath heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of the fire as we have and lived? Go thou near, and hear all that the Lord our God shall say, and speak thou unto us all that the Lord our God shall speak unto thee, and we will hear it, and do it. 
So in essence, uh, nah, you go up there. <laughs> we'll wait down here. You just tell us what he says. And the Lord heard the voice of your words when ye spake unto me. And the Lord said unto me, I have heard the voice of the words of this people, which they have spoken unto thee. They have well said all that they have spoken. Oh, that there were such an heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. I like that one. I like when God says things in the present that don't make any sense, but that do make sense if you think outside of linear time. Clearly, in this instance, they're terrified of him. And in this moment, God's like, man, if only they were afraid of me. Of course, much bitching and not fearing God would follow. Go say to them, get you into your tents again. But as for thee, stand thou here by me, and I will speak unto thee all the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which thou shalt teach them that they may do them in the land which I give them to possess it. Ye shall observe to do therefore, as the Lord your God hath commanded you. Ye shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. Ye shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you, that ye may live, and that it may be well with you, and that ye may prolong your days in the land which ye shall possess. I like what Barnes notes on the Bible, a commentary on BibleHub.com, says about this moment from Exodus 2018. The terrors of Sinai had done their work. They had awakened the consciousness of sin. Only when they're terrified do the people start to think, oh shit, I'm a sinner. And if that ain't human nature, then well, I don't know what is. Chapter 6. Now these are the commandments the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that ye might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. This is Moses' ultimate goal. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee, in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, monotheism, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. So these verses 6 through 8 are just talking about the words that Moses is saying from God, which should be in their heart and taught to their children when they sit it down and rises up, when it talks about binding them for a sign on their hands and frontlets between their eyes. They're talking about the tefillin. We went over this in a previous episode, but 
This is the leather straps attached to a box containing a Torah scroll that you'll see Jewish people tie to their hands, wrap around their arm, and attach to their head. It's a very prevalent tradition that stems from this verse, or I should say from the verse in Exodus that Moses is quoting. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates, and it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, buildedest, buildedst, buildedst not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged which thou patron diggedst not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantedst not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, and serve him, and shalt swear by his name. Ye shall not go after other gods of the gods of the people which are round about you, for the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee, and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. Ye shall not tempt the Lord your God, as ye tempted him in Massah. Ye shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God, and his testimonies and his statutes, which he hath commanded thee. And thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest go in and possess the good land which the Lord sware unto thy fathers, to cast out all thine enemies from before thee, as the Lord hath spoken. And when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What mean the testimonies, and the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you? Then thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord shewed signs and wonders, great and sore, upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household, before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence, that he might bring us in, to give us the land which he sware unto our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God, for our good always, that he might preserve us alive, as it is at this day. And it shall be our righteousness, if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God, as he hath commanded us. I liked that line, When thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord. Temptation in this book usually comes when everyone is fed and happy. Because when you're fed and not afraid, what do you need God for? As we've seen in the past few books, most of these people are just in it for the food. When they got the food, they don't care about God. When the food is gone, it's another story. Gotta remember God. Gotta fear God. In the bad times and the good. Chapter 7 When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land, whither thou goest to possess it. 
and hath cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites, and the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them, and utterly destroy them. Like no contest, thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor shew mercy unto them. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son, nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son. For they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you, and destroy thee suddenly. But thus shall ye deal with them. Ye shall destroy their altars, and break down their images, and cut down their groves, and burn their graven images with fire. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself, above all people that are upon the face of the earth. And we saw this with the Midianites. God is most worried of how the people are going to act when they have food and they're happy and they forget about God. And two, God worries about the tendency of man to take other gods before him. These are the things, almost as if they were written with the benefit of hindsight, that will end up destroying the nation. A people who are not united under one God are fated to fall. That's the idea anyway. All successful ancient cultures had some kind of unified religious tradition. The driving force of strength for these people is clearly the presence of their one God and the idea that this is what makes them special. I'd really like to look more into this, the rise of monotheism in the ancient Near East. I wonder why it occurred to them that they needed to have a single God anyway. Like, I know the religious reasons. Like, well, because God told them. Okay. But like anything besides that, very interested in learning more. Verse 7. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because ye were more in number than any people. For ye were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand, and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him, and keep his commandments to a thousand generations, and repayeth them that hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack to him that hateth him. He will repay him to his face. Thou shalt therefore keep the commandments and the statutes and the judgments, which I command thee this day to do them. Wherefore it shall come to pass, if ye hearken to these judgments, and keep and do them, that the Lord thy God shall keep unto thee the covenant and the mercy which he sware unto thy fathers. And he will love thee, and bless thee, and multiply thee. He will also bless the fruit of thy womb, and the fruit of thy land, 
thy corn, cone, and thy wine, and thine oil, the increase of thy kine, and the flocks of thy sheep, in the land which he sware unto thy fathers to give thee. Thou shalt be blessed above all people. There shall not be male or female barren among you, or among your cattle. And the Lord will take away from thee all sickness, and will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which thou knowest, upon thee, but will lay them upon all them that hate thee. And thou shalt consume all the people which the Lord thy God shall deliver thee. Thine eyes shall have no pity upon them, neither shalt thou serve their gods, for that will be a snare unto thee. If thou shalt say in thine heart, These nations are more than I, how could I dispossess them? Thou shalt not be afraid of them, but shalt well remember what the Lord thy God did unto Pharaoh and unto all Egypt. The great temptations which thine eyes saw, and the signs, and the wonders, and the mighty hand, and the stretched out arm, whereby the Lord thy God brought thee out. So shall the Lord thy God do unto all the people of whom thou art afraid. Moreover, the Lord thy God will send the hornet among them until they that are left and hide themselves from thee be destroyed. And he shall deliver their kings into thine hand, and thou shalt destroy their name from under heaven. There shall no man be able to stand before thee until thou have destroyed them. The graven images of their gods shall ye burn with fire. Thou shalt not desire the silver or gold that is on them, nor take it unto thee, lest thou be snared therein. For it is an abomination to the Lord thy God. Neither shalt thou bring an abomination into thine house, lest thou be a cursed thing like it. But thou shalt utterly detest it, and thou shalt utterly abhor it, for it is a cursed thing. Chapter 8 All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live, and multiply, and go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee, and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. I like that. A direct, straightforward explanation to the people. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because God meant to humble them, to prove them whether or not they would keep the commandments. In other words, it was all a test. Some passed, others failed, big time. And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know, that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Cool. That's one of the Jesus quotes that are famous enough that I, a non-believer, knows about it. 
Thou shalt not live by bread alone. So he's quoting Deuteronomy. Cool. I'm in. I'm hip. Thy raiment waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these 40 years. Yeah, I remember reading this or hearing about this. Basically, their clothes didn't rot off their bodies and their feet didn't swell. So part of the wandering in the desert was possible because God helped their clothes not rot off and their feet and bodies break down from all that walking. So he kind of kept them alive, like in a test tube or a terrarium, just to separate them long enough to see how they would react, if they would follow the rules or not. Wild, wild stuff. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil olive and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness, Thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee this day, lest when thou hast eaten and art full, and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness where fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, three equally bad things, where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee and that he might prove thee to do thee good at thy latter end. And thou say in thine heart, My power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. Page turn. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he sware unto thy fathers, as it is this day. And it shall be, if thou do at all forget the Lord thy God, and walk after other gods, and serve them, and worship them. I testify against you this day, that ye shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroyeth before your face, so shall ye perish, because ye 
would not be obedient unto the voice of the Lord your God. Chapter 9 Hear, O Israel, thou art to pass over Jordan this day. Ah, nice. So the book of Deuteronomy basically happens in a day. Thou art to pass over Jordan this day, to go in to possess nations greater and mightier than thyself, cities great and fenced up to heaven, a people great and tall, the children of the Anakims, whom thou knowest and of whom thou hast heard say, Who can stand before the children of Anak? Understand therefore this day, that the Lord thy God is he which goeth over before thee, as a consuming fire, he shall destroy them, and he shall bring them down before thy face. So shalt thou drive them out, and destroy them quickly, as the Lord hath said unto thee. Speak not thou in thine heart, after that the Lord thy God hath cast them out from before thee, saying, For my righteousness the Lord hath brought me in to possess this land. But for the wickedness of these nations, the Lord doth drive them out from before thee. Not for thy righteousness, or for the uprightness of thine heart, dost thou go to possess their land. But for the wickedness of these nations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. And that he may perform the word which the Lord sware unto thy fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So in other words, you aren't special. They just suck. And God made a promise to your fathers. So you're just lucky, I guess. Don't get cocky. Understand, therefore, that the Lord thy God giveth thee not this good land to possess it for thy righteousness, for thou, for thou art a stiff-necked people. Remember and forget not how thou provokedest. I'm having a lot of trouble with this. Provoked the Lord thy God to wrath in the wilderness from the day that thou didst depart out of the land of Egypt until ye came unto this place, ye have been rebellious against the Lord. Also in Horeb, ye provoked the Lord to wrath so that the Lord was angry with you to have destroyed you. When I was gone up into the mount to receive the tables of stone, even the tables of the covenant which the Lord made with you, then I abode in the mount forty days and forty nights. I neither did eat bread nor drink water. And the Lord delivered unto me two tables of stone, written with the finger of God. And on them was written according to all the words which the Lord spake with you in the mount out of the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly. And it came to pass at the end of forty days and forty nights that the Lord gave me the two tables of stone, even the tables of the covenant. And the Lord said unto me, Arise, get thee down quickly from hence, for thy people which thou hast brought forth out of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They are quickly turned aside out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten image. Furthermore, the Lord spake unto me, saying, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Let me alone, that I may destroy them, and blot out their name from under heaven, and I will make of thee a nation mightier and greater than they. Moses says, I kept this under wraps all the time. Like, yo, I could have been the new Abraham. While they were saying, stone Moses, God was like, 
Let me kill everyone but you. So I turned and came down from the mount, and the mount burned with fire, and the two tables of the covenant were in my two hands. And I looked, and behold, ye had sinned against the Lord your God, and had made you a molten calf. Ye had turned aside quickly out of the way which the Lord had commanded you. And I took the two tables, and cast them out of my two hands, and brake them before your eyes. And I fell down before the Lord, as at the first forty days and forty nights. I did neither eat bread nor drink water, because of all your sins which ye sinned, in doing wickedly in the sight of the Lord, to provoke him to anger. For I was afraid of the anger and hot displeasure wherewith the Lord was wroth against you to destroy you. But the Lord hearkened unto me at that time also. And the Lord was very angry with Aaron to have destroyed him, and I prayed for Aaron also at the same time. And I took your sin, the calf which ye had made, and burnt it with fire, and stamped it, and ground it very small, even until it was as small as dust. And I cast the dust thereof into the brook that descended out of the mount. And at Taberah, and at Massah, 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 and at Kibroth Hatavah, ye provoked the Lord to wrath. Likewise, when the Lord sent you from Kadesh Barnea, saying, Go up and possess the land which I have given you, then ye rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God, and ye believed him not, nor hearkened to his voice. Ye have been rebellious against the Lord from the day that I knew you. Thus I fell down before the Lord forty days and forty nights, as I fell down at the first, because the Lord had said he would destroy you. I prayed therefore unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, destroy not thy people and thine inheritance, which thou hast redeemed through thy greatness, which thou hast brought forth out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Remember thy servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Look not unto the stubbornness of this people, nor to their wickedness, nor to their sin, lest the land whence thou broughtest us out say, Because the Lord was not able to bring them into the land which he promised them, and because he hated them, he hath brought them out to slay them in the wilderness. Yet they are thy people and thine inheritance, which thou broughtest out by thy mighty power and by thy stretched out arm. Chapter 10. At that time, the Lord said unto me, Hew thee two tables of stone like unto the first, and come up unto me in the mount, and make thee an ark of wood. And I will write on the tables the words that were in the first tables which thou breakest, and thou shalt put them in the ark. And I made an ark of shittim wood, and hewed two tables of stone like unto the first, and went up into the mount having the two tables in mine hand. And he wrote on the tables, according to the first writing, the Ten Commandments, which the Lord spake unto you in the mount, out of the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly. And the Lord gave them unto me. And I turned myself and came down from the mount, and put the tables in the ark which I had made. And there they be, as the Lord commanded me. And the children of Israel took their journey from Beroth of the children of Jachan to Moserah, to Moserah. There Aaron died, and there he was buried. 
and Eleazar his son, ministered in the priest's office in his stead. From thence they journeyed unto Gudgoda, and from Gudgoda to Jotbath, a land of rivers of waters. At that time the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord to minister unto him, and to bless in his name unto this day. Wherefore Levi hath no part, nor inheritance with his brethren. The Lord is his inheritance, according as the Lord thy God promised him. And I stayed in the mount, according to the first time, forty days and forty nights. And the Lord hearkened unto me at that time also, and the Lord would not destroy thee. And the Lord said unto me, Arise, take thy journey before the people, that they may go in and possess the land which I swear unto their fathers to give unto them. And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes which I command thee this day for thy good. Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's thy God, the earth also with all that therein is. Only the Lord had a delight in thy fathers to love them, and he chose their seed after them, even you above all people, as it is this day. Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart, hmm. and be no more stiff-necked. Circumcise your heart. Don't be stiff. For the, <laughs> sorry. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and a terrible, which regardeth not persons, nor taketh reward. He doth execute the judgment of the fatherless and widow, and loveth the stranger in giving him food and raiment. Love ye therefore the stranger, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, him shalt thou serve, and to him shalt thou cleave, and swear by his name. He is thy praise, and he is thy God, that hath done for thee these great and terrible things which thine eyes have seen. Thy fathers went down into Egypt with threescore and ten persons, and now the Lord thy God hath made thee as the stars of heaven for multitude. Chapter 11 Therefore, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, and keep his charge, and his, page turn, statutes, and his judgments, and his commandments, alway. And know ye this day, for I speak not with your children which have not known, and which have not seen the chastisement of the Lord your God, his greatness, his mighty hand, and his stretched out arm, and his miracles, and his acts which he did in the midst of Egypt unto Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and unto all his land. And what he did unto the army of Egypt, unto their horses and to their chariots, how he made the water of the Red Sea to overflow them as they pursued after you, and how the Lord hath destroyed them unto this day, and what he did unto you in the wilderness until ye came into this place, and what he did unto Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, the sons of Reuben, how the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up. 
Yes, she did. And their households, and their tents, and all the substance that was in their possession, in the midst of all Israel. But your eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord, which he did. Therefore shall ye keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that ye may be strong, and go in and possess the land, whither ye go to possess it, and that ye may prolong your days in the land, which the Lord sware unto your fathers to give unto them and to their seed, a land that floweth with milk and honey. For the land whither thou goest in to possess it is not as the land of Egypt from whence ye came out, where thou sowest thy seed, and waterest, waterest it with thy foot, as a garden of herbs. But the land whither ye go to possess it is a land of hills and valleys, and drinketh water of the rain of heaven, a land which the Lord thy God careth for. The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it, from the beginning of the year even unto the end of the year. And it shall come to pass, if ye shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in his due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil. And I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle, that thou mayest eat and be full. This is interesting. It's weird for Moses to say, I will give it to you which in Benson's commentary is explained as Moses here personates God, or rather, God speaks by him. But in the Cambridge Bible for Schools and Colleges, it says the Hebrew text is evidently due to the same hand which inserted Deuteronomy 11.13, for it immediately follows that verse, and as evidently, the original reading is that of the Septuagint and Vulgate, that he will give the rain to thy land which connects with Deuteronomy 11.12. Very interesting. Take heed to yourselves, that your heart be not deceived, and ye turn aside, and serve other gods, and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, and he shut up the heaven, that there be no rain, and that the land yield not her fruit. And lest ye perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. Therefore, shall ye lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul. They keep saying that, your heart and your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. You get the tefillin again. Again, I don't remember if I properly explained it. There are these leather straps which you wrap around your arm and your head. There's a Torah scroll in a box. Yeah, I said that. And ye shall teach them your children, speaking of them, when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house, and upon thy gates, that your days may be multiplied, and the days of your children, in the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers, to give them, as the days of heaven upon the earth. For if ye shall diligently keep all these commandments which I command you to do them, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to cleave unto him, then will the Lord drive out all these nations from before you, 
and ye shall possess greater nations, and mightier than yourselves. Every place whereon the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours, from the wilderness and Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, even unto the uttermost sea shall your coast be. There shall no man be able to stand before you, for the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of you upon all the land that ye shall tread upon, as he hath said unto you. Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse, a blessing if ye obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, and a curse if ye will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day, to go after other gods which ye have not known. And it shall come to pass, when the Lord thy God hath brought thee in unto the land whither thou goest to possess it, that thou shalt put the blessing upon Mount Gerizim, and the curse upon Mount Ebal. Or what's wrong with Ebal? Ah, this is apparently referencing a ritual that will be described in Deuteronomy 27.12. According to the pulpit commentary, it has been suggested that Ebal was appointed for the uttering of the curse and Gerizim for the uttering of the blessing, because the former was barren and rugged, the latter fertile and smooth. But this is not borne out by the actual appearance of the two hills, both being equally barren looking. <laughs> Verse 30. Are they not on the other side Jordan? by the way where the sun goeth down in the land of the Canaanites, which dwell in the Champagne, over against Gilgal, beside the plains of Moreh? I assume the answer is yes. For ye shall pass over Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you, and ye shall possess it and dwell therein. And ye shall observe to do all the statutes and judgments and judgments, which I set before you this day. And here, we will end our reading for this day. A lot to read, not too much to go over. I enjoyed seeing Moses explain why they're still alive, mostly because Moses was bowing down with his face to the ground before God, pleading with him not to kill them. Of course, if Moses isn't going to be around anymore, the Israelites are going to have to learn the trick. Fear God. Be humble. Oh yeah, I really enjoy the references to fear. One, because I think it's funny. Two, because it's actually good advice. It occurs to me that God does love the Israelites, but he gives them this tough love. God knows when to spoil them and when not to spoil them. God knows when they need to be told about the land of milk and honey and when they need to be told of his wrath. I'm interested to see when hell starts to pop up, because right now, the world seems to be in hell. They aren't as motivated by the thought of going to a hell, by which I mean having to go to hell, as much as being delivered from the hell of their lives, reaching the Eden of the promised land. On the other hand, maybe it's better to describe the wilderness as more of a purgatory, while the only hell that seems to exist is the raw, brute strength and fearsome power of God and his oft-quoted wrath. They don't say, you disobey, you're going to hell. They say, you disobey, and God will personally kill you. That's a real incentive. In the words that Moses repeats, I'm also getting a better understanding of how this religion was seen 
by the people who practiced it. Moses reiterates over and over again, fear God, walk in his way, love him with all your heart and soul. These seem to be the vital components. You have to fear God because if you don't, then you're probably going to start to sin. You need to understand that your soul is at hazard. So you have to live a moral life by walking in the path of God, doing and living and thinking like God. And finally, Moses asks them to love God with all their heart and soul. That's a lot to ask of a person, but I feel like I would be remiss if I only focused on the fear God part and not the love God part. Both are equally troubling. It's an interesting predicament. The Israelites didn't ask to be born Israelites. They just were born and told, hey, you owe everything to God. Now love him. Love him. Of course, every time they follow God's will, all their wildest dreams come true. They are delivered from armies that are much bigger, more numerous, and taller than they. The Israelites get to live in the land of milk and honey. It is kind of a parent moral dilemma. Do you have to love your parents just because they created you? If they love you and they have your best interest at heart, at the least you could say you're morally obligated to love them. But for the Israelites, it isn't just in their best interest. It's in their children's interest. This is the fulfillment of a legacy. Moses even goes as far as to say as, hey, you guys aren't that special. It's really our fathers. God loved them. And now he's stuck with us. <laughs> but then you also have to look at this from the psychological side. Maybe the only way for these people to feel that they deserved the things that they did is because they were justified by those who came before. Of course, in the context of the first temple Jerusalem, the greatness of the kingdom is already there. It's less of an existential problem and more of a, how shall I say, political, hegemonic issue. We are here now and we are great now because God thought we were great then. That's why we are awesome now. And that's why the Jebusites and the Hizzites and the Bibusites suck. Man, the closer they get to the promised land, the more questions I have. I need to, <laughs> need to find a priest and a rabbi and sit them in a room and ask them some questions. Suffice it to say, the mark of a holy work seems to be that it has the most accurate opinions on the most number of things. If you're getting advice in the Bible, it's good life advice. It's good business advice. It's good kingdom advice. Small problems reflect the large problems and vice versa. As above, so below. And no wonder. It is a chronicle of countless human lives. It survived through hundreds and hundreds of years. Many men and women have lived and died on this planet and contributed their wisdom to it in some small way. I guess I should find it interesting that at the end of all of that, the most important aspects of life, it says, are to feel that you're here for a reason. That even if you suck, maybe the people who came before you didn't suck. And at least you owe it to them to continue in the way, serving God, loving God, fearing God. And with that, I bid thee adieu. Auf Wiedersehen. Thank you for joining me, my creeping things. This has been the Nonbeliever Bible Club. Follow the way 
and be afraid. Adios. <laughs>